0: and welcome to episode 11 of In Gear with the Shop. I'm your host, Reagan Dickinson. Quick note that you can hear this episode, as well as all past and future episodes, on your favorite platform, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and at our website, theshopmag.com. You may know our next guest from such reality television shows as Gas Monkey Garage, Fast and Loud, Shifting Gears, and Monster Garage. Fabricator extraordinaire Josh Freeman recently opened his own shop in Denton, Texas, with his wife, Catherine. Let's find out more about his transition from reality TV to the realities of being a small business owner. You know, I've been, uh, we've been following your work, you know, uh, through the reality series and, you know, the shop is something uh, new for you there in, in Texas. And so, I mean, let's talk about your new shop in Denton. And when did you open operations there?
1: So uh, yeah, we started about five, six months ago here in Denton and um, really got you know, up and going maybe two, three months ago. Um, initially, you know, with you know, the whole pandemic, I don't want to bring it up, but um, you <laughs> know, we kind of held, held off a little bit just to, to get going. I had, a, I had a side job that I was doing in another location that kept me from being here every day. I had to finish up that job then to eventually move into here and get going. I just didn't want to miss out on the spot.
0: Yeah. and What what did you learn about starting from scratch that others who are opening a new shop or perhaps a new location should know so that it goes smoothly for them as well?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, it's location, location, location. Like I had mentioned uh, a little bit before, um, I, I look, was looking initially down in Dallas because that's what I was familiar with. And I know there's a lot of metal stores down there. There's a lot of things that I knew the, the lay of the land from driving down to, to Gas Monkey every day. Yeah. But- Just that drive from home was uh, was a bit much. Uh, I I would rather keep it close to home. When you have your own business, there's a lot more. You know, there's there's longer hours. There's you just it's your it's your baby. There's a lot more things that go into it, and I needed it to be closer to home. So Denton was a good location as far as off the 35, which heads right up to Oklahoma and right down to Dallas. So uh, I felt it was a good main vein to start a business and I really wanted to make sure also that there was like I said some some good suppliers around where metal or nuts and bolts or you know even even welding supplies things like that I think are really important and um you know a necessity when you're running a business cuz I'm one guy and I need to make sure that I can just head out real quick and grab something and get back to the shop and get working you know
0: yeah yeah, and I guess one of the nice things about starting a new shop is that you basically control where the direction is going to go as far as smooth operation. Is it uh, laid out properly? Is it organized properly? Are there things that you were able to do in that new shop that maybe you didn't have the luxury of in the past that you looked at that layout and you said, hey, I think I've got a better idea here so that when we are processing jobs for here, it just goes much more smoothly. Did you Were you able to do that with this location?
1: You know, I'm going to be dead honest with you. I'm starting from scratch here. It's a small shop. (laughs) So I wouldn't, there's not a, a, Reagan, there's not a ton of (laughs) layout really. It's a, it's a smaller shop, but yes, it is. It is key. Um, You kind of want to think through your processes when you have a smaller shop. So with your question, yeah, uh, a small shop, you really do have to make sure everything is laid out properly, where if you have a big shop, you can kind of, haphazardly put things around and it kind of eventually move around and work out and it it kind of answers itself all the questions is where things need to be. Here, when I literally had a bare shop, I had ended up drawing just a square, which pretty much was more of a rectangle of the shop. And just starting to on paper lay out where the tools would be and where I wanted the lift, where I thought, you know, the racks for the for the supplies and the cabinet should be and and the tooling and I mean, it's, it, it is really important when you're, when you're in a smaller building like this that you have a good layout and then also planning on growing because there are some tools that I want and didn't have when I first started that I knew I needed to leave space for because sheet metal tools, I mean, an English wheel, a shear, a sheet metal brake, they take up a lot of space. Sure. You know, um, I think it's important to know that when I bring, bring in some 4 by 8 sheets of, you know, 18 gauge sheet metal that I can carry it through the shop without going past every vehicle back to the shear, because that's usually where it starts out. You you lay out your pattern, shear it out, then you run next to the either the brake or the bead roller or whatever. And so that that process is laid out in that way and where I think it's important to think about what you're going to do. I actually literally stood outside the door and just walked in and felt what it would feel like if I brought that piece of metal and where would be the next tool. The first thing I would use. Yeah. Optimizing a small space is really important. You know, when you have a bigger space, it's, there's a lot more freedom. Sure. So yeah. Uh, laying out a small shop is, is really important. So I'm hoping to grow soon. <laughs> so I can, <laughs> I can put more tools in and, yeah. and, uh, you know, and enjoy enjoy more you know instead of having to shift stuff around
0: yeah yeah absolutely what types of vehicles are people bringing to you
1: um you know i've i've had um i've had from a from a fox body mustang to a k5 blazer to just a chassis and where that i you know did the step notch and stuff like that from a an obs uh, an 88 to 98 chevy truck you know uh it's been it's been everything you know i've got a an mg that is scheduled to come in um i've got a a jdm right hand drive little car that's coming in from a friend of mine so you know a lot of these people are people that i already know yeah uh, which is really cool considering that i am new to texas and some are and and obviously some are are new people which is always great then too because then that opens your door to a whole nother you know group of people that that can start bringing in their you know their cars which is great so
0: yeah, and I guess most importantly, are you having fun? Are you enjoying it?
1: Yeah, yes, and no. Uh, it is, it is, it is <laughs> a lot of fun. Uh, I, you take for granted going to that, going to someone else's shop, and just punching in and getting to work and not worrying about how much grinder this costs, how much you know, <laughs> right. how much a sheet of metal costs, how much any of that stuff costs, and what your time is like. You're really just pushing and working like a good employee would do. It's just work and get your job done. But now there's that clock. You can actually almost hear it going. <laughs> you know, because it's it's getting you, you know, and you got to make yeah. sure. I mean, we charge by the hour here, so uh, you know, uh, customers know that they're getting quality, so they don't mind paying. I always do what I say I'm going to do, and I think that's really important. So that clock is ticking, though. You know, you could you could spend a lot of extra time. You got to really learn how to work efficiently, and, and so that stress is fun because it's 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 challenging and it's exciting to to put out some good stuff. So. Yes, it is exciting to have your own shop and stressful all at the same time.
0: I'm assuming that's where your partnership with your wife Catherine comes into play as well. Uh, and so, how's that working for you as far as running the business?
1: Uh, you know, honestly, truth be told, it's good and bad because I she calls out all of my you know weaknesses. I mean, we're co-owners. It's just her and I. You know, we have no yeah. one else involved. So, which right. which is uh, it's she has a say and I have a say. You know and we have difference of I'm the guy in the shop she's the she's the gal in the front office, you know what I mean so um there's that get to work attitude from her, like, hey, we need to get make sure this is done, make sure you're charging for that. you know I mean you can't just clean the shop for free, you need to you know that you made the mess with that you know like there's this business aspect coming from her, and I'm the guy who's doing the work out there so so overall, she has what's best for the business in her mind you know and and so do I because I'm on the uh in the shop and she's in the office so it really comes together great. It's challenging, but it's great because I don't have to then concern myself so much with that side of it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, speaking of your fabrication work, I know that your your background where you started was uh, mainly collision repair. That's correct. So what have you found? What is the big difference? How do you make that shift from collision repair to just fabrication? What are the differences there?
1: You know, um, oh, you know, one of the good things about starting off in, in, uh, I mean, I've always done custom stuff. Um, I grew up, uh, with my dad raised cars. So I was always in a shop where fabrication was happening. I literally, my only job, I think when I was like 15 and a half or whatever, when you can get a job, I bust tables for like a couple months and then ended up getting a job at a body shop. So I I've been in a body shops from day, day one, as far as my work career goes. And, uh, I was fortunate enough to work at a shop that wasn't a high production shop. It was a high end shop where, I mean, we did. I've worked on Lamborghini Miros, which are which is my favorite car. Um, We've worked on Toyota Corollas. We've worked on minivans. We've worked on. I've worked on all types of cars, and what they all have in common is they're all put together pretty much the same way. There's spot welds. There's sheet metal. There's you know the mechanical side of things, and you really learn a process at the body shop. You know, from teardown keeping track of your parts, keeping track of your parts list that you need, making sure that all of the repairs are done properly because, you know, there's an insurance company involved. There's the customer safety involved. There's all of these, these things that are being checked and rechecked and uh, making sure that everything is done on the ticket that you said that was given to you to do. So, I mean, obviously that translates into this side of things. I've always been building my own custom vehicles while working at the body shop. Yeah. So, um, As far as sheet metal shaping, stuff like that, not a lot of it, but you do have a lot of sheet metal repair, where if a dent comes in, you know, and you're not replacing the whole panel because it doesn't warrant it, um, you have to learn how to shrink that metal back down if it's stretched out, you have to learn how to, you know, make sure that the structural integrity is there, that all your welding's good. Um, I mean, I'm a certified welder through all of that, and um, aluminum as well, and so... You know, I really think it does translate well for me because of the process involved. You know what I mean? Yes. But the sheet metal shaping, that's a that's a self learned thing. And then obviously YouTube and, and any, you know, anything like that and friends and just anywhere you can pull any kind of information, you know, you kinda use it in the custom world. It's kind of fun. I enjoy that part of it, you know? Right. Is there a mistake
0: that you've made in the past that you learned from that you've been able to take throughout your career and say, I am never doing that again? Or, uh, you know, you just learned from something that, that really kind of shaped how you approached your work.
1: Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I've learned, I learned not to overgrind when shaping very early because sure, it looks like the metal's all there, but what has happened is you've ground it too thin and it looks great, but later on down the line, the moisture gets behind it and actually bubbles. I had it happen on a, on a pretty expensive car back in the day. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was something that I had no idea that I that I had done or was doing the car came back and I quickly learned what had happened. And I still I still have to watch when you do it today. It's something that can very easily happen. Yeah. Uh, so that that's really important to make sure that when you're when you're doing that everything fits really properly, you're not over over grinding either your weld down or a piece of metal to shape it, you know, like the edge of it or something that it doesn't get too thin. I know that sounds silly, and pretty straightforward. But you know, it can happen.
0: Right. So tell me about your experience on reality television. And what was the difference between reality and reality television for you?
1: (laughs) You know, there's a lot of little funny things that do happen as far as reality and reality TV. Uh, You know, I do I do want to say that there's some camera tricks involved. I mean, you, when you see someone pushing a car into a shop, this is the funniest one for me. Okay. You always, when you're, when you're, when, when you're watching a TV show, good editing, you never realize, uh, you know, how did the camera get in there already? They were just outside and you didn't see them. Like we would push in a car and they would film us from the inside out first, you know, pushing the car in Uh and then vice, and then vice versa. Then they would have to, we'd have to push the car back out and then close the doors, and then the cameras would be outside and they'd see us pushing it in. Then when edited, it just looks like we seamlessly pushed it into the garage and cameras got us from both angles. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, stuff like that's kind of fun and and a pain in the butt too at the same time, because it's like, push the car in, push the car out. We just want to get to work, you know what I mean? There's <laughs> right, times right. where you're getting ready to weld something just because you're in the process and you're you're holding up this frame rail and everything's all lined up and you're ready to go. And they're all, hold, hold, hold. We need to get a camera over here. See so you weld that, and it's like, man, you know what I mean? I'm not gonna kind of reposition, get it all squared up again. You know, and clamp. And you know, there, there's times where you're waiting for the cameras. But uh, overall, it was it was great.
0: Did you ever worry about how an episode was going to be edited?
1: Ooh, that's a great question. Yeah, definitely. When you know the first episode came out, I had been working for two, three, maybe even four months before the first episode came out. And at that point, family, friends, everyone knew I was going to be on TV, and so. It was nerve wracking to know if I would even make it on the show because I was the new guy. You know, this I'm referring to Gas Monkey and Fast and Loud. Mm -hmm. Really nervous to watch it for the first time because I didn't get to see it. You know, we don't get get to screen it ahead of time. You see it when everyone else sees it on Discovery Channel. Yeah. Yeah, it was nerve wracking because you don't know how you're going to come across on TV ultimately what's cool about the show is there wasn't a bad guy it wasn't like they were going to cast you as the bad guy and and make you <laughs> yeah. look terrible and like hey i didn't say that like that you know right, what I right mean?
0: right right so as yeah.
1: far as that i wasn't too nervous it was just whether i would be on camera or not and then it became nervous because then i didn't want to be on too much because i was the new guy because then it would affect the day after when you showed up at work you know what i mean everyone would be like oh man you got all the camera time and you know there was some of that going on as well. So, <laughs> sure, you know, it's a fun game, but yeah, it was, it was a good time.
0: What did you learn from that experience that helps you with your day-to-day work now?
1: Organization, man. I, I know we said that as far as the shop goes, you know, or making sure the sure. shop is organized, but yeah, organization in planning out the project, making sure that parts were on their way, making sure that you had the materials you needed, making sure that what was to be done was getting done in, a, in in the right order. They were so good at that. I mean, we did a 67 Firebird and a 68 Galaxy in 14 days. We did both frame off motors. Um, I put two quarter panels and mini tubbed the, the 67 Firebird. Frames got sent out for powder coat, full body and paint on both of them, interior on one of them, and then the other one had nice original interior. But we did both of those in. 14 days and you know worked from 9 to 6 every day no no weekends and both those cars got done running and driving i mean willwood brakes you know all new brake lines fuel lines a full rebuild of a you know someone's dream car essentially you know i would love to have either one of those cars and we got them done for yeah. 14 days so yeah i learned a lot from those guys they'd been doing it for a long time and i mean the shop was a well-oiled machine these cars were Literally great drivers. I mean, they were excellent show cars and quality vehicles. Man, I was really impressed with everybody's work.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of a small world, Josh, because yes, sir. uh you know, I know that you're you're very passionate about your charity work, particularly as it relates to autism. And years ago in a different life, Josh, I actually wrote an article about surfers healing. And I, I know that really. that's yeah. A, you know, just a wonderful organization. And, uh, then I was, you know, reading more about your work uh, in charity and, um, saw that this is one of the primary places that your charity work goes toward is Surfers Healing. So I, I wanted you to tell me a little bit more about your charity work and why you're passionate about it and, and what it's kind of brought to your life.
1: You know, uh, Reagan, that makes me so happy uh, to know that you know of Surfers Healing. That is that is the number one, obviously, goal and key to us. You know, being involved with them, um, we have a son on the spectrum as well. Catherine and I do, his name is Gage. And mm-hmm. we are, we are previously from uh, Orange County, California, where uh service healing is actually based out of, Yep. you know, we found them prior to coming to Texas and the, their surf camp is, is a great service they do for kids to kind of take them out of their comfort zone a little bit and get them out on the ocean. And it's not a very easy thing to get them out there, but as soon as they're out there, they never want to come back in. It seems like uh, they love the, the waves. It's a very therapeutic thing. And we found that it was great for Gage. Gage loves the water and quickly found surface Healing and what they do for, you know, it's obviously a nonprofit, all that stuff. And, and it's a great, I don't know how to explain it, man. I just know that it, it, it was good for us. You know, the pasquits are awesome. Uh, Izzy, Isaiah, Danielle, they are amazing people and they do everything we wish we could do for people on the spectrum, for children on the spectrum. Yeah, we were lucky enough and fortunate enough to actually build a surfboard for them. Every year, they have a uh, surfing Santa contest down at the Ritz Carlton in Laguna Niguel, California, it's Southern California, Orange County. Mm-hmm and they have a surfboard auction there as well at the ritz so they get famous people like the red hot chili peppers do one steve aoki the the dj uh, these these big name people and huge big name artists are always donating their surfboards and the art that they paint on them for charity which is they raise money then for um autism awareness and um Mm -hmm. surface healing obviously yep and we were fortunate enough to do one we got a surfboard uh, last year, it, you know, with the help of Shorty uh, Custom Paint and Tanner, he's a pinstriper here in in Texas. We built a hot rod themed surfboard with flames on it, and I built zoomy headers coming out from underneath it, and three deuces on it. You know, like the carbs were actually three dimensionally sticking out of the top, and the the headers came out from the underside of it. And yeah, you know, it raised I think well over a thousand dollars. You know, they they sold that surfboard for and. You know there's like 40 surfboards that get done so i mean they make a ton of money for the cause i mean they raise a ton of money for the cause and it's really great and like i said uh great people we kind of do as much as we can once we get a little bigger here uh we'd like to maybe start a car show that helped for autism awareness but right now what we do is just help out surface healing as much as we can
0: that's awesome well you know what the music means our time is up well that went quickly uh, it, it, I do it, appreciate it. it so
1: very much. Uh, thank yeah. you very much for
0: having me on, man. This was great. I, I'm hoping that we'll be able to do a follow-up as you grow the shop, when you have new builds coming out. I just, I'd just i like you to keep us updated on what's going on with you and your shop and your family.
1: Well, Reagan, thank you very much. Like I said, um, I'd love for you guys to check back in and, and see the progress that Freeman Fabrication has made.
0: Absolutely. Thanks again. Excellent. Thank you. Check out the latest from Josh and Catherine on Instagram at Freeman Fabrication. We'll be following the evolution of Freeman Fabrication at The Shop Magazine as well, so make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. And keep up to date on everything automotive aftermarket at theshopmag.com. Thanks for listening, y'all. And until next time, adios amigos.